0: From New Dog Media and Phoenix 5th, it's the Settle Smarter Podcast.
1: Understand when it's best to listen and when it's best to speak. Because when you speak, it will be so much more amplified and powerful rather than having your voice watered down by always having something to say.
2: Feel like a hamster inside of a wheel running a sprint inside of a marathon while balancing on top of a teeter totter. This podcast is for you. Welcome to Settle Smarter with me, Dana Look Arimoto.
0: Hey, Smart Settlers, producer Paul here. Today, Dana's guest is Shakia McDowell, Vice President, Ethics and Compliance Strategy, Intelligence and Operations at Kaiser Permanente in Oakland, California. Shakia also has a title which I think just about every one of us would enjoy Chief of Joyful Life Experiences. Let's check out Dana's interview with Shakia McDowell.
2: (music) Well, guests, welcome back to the Subtle Smarter Podcast. I'm super excited today because we have Shakia McDowell. We're going to hear all about her journey into intrapreneurship. And also we're going to explore with her how we find our voice. You know, more importantly, how do we use our voice? In particular, 2020 has been a little dynamic, so that might be a good launch pad to bring Shakia onto our program and our show. Welcome. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Dana.
2: Oh, we are thrilled. So let's dive into intrapreneurship. I, the first thing I like my guests to do when we talk about terms like this is define them and define them obviously the way you define them. We don't have to be textbook on this program. Settling smarter means doing it the way that works for you, not some textbook. So what does intrapreneurship mean to you?
1: I would say that entrepreneurship to me is an entrepreneur who is risk adverse. So these are individuals that have the entrepreneurial spirit, but have the cover of large organizations. So you go in and you operate within a corporation or organization as if you own it. That's the simplest way to put it.
2: That is fantastic. And I love the risk adverse part that you put in there, because that describes me four and a half years ago when I left corporate America and went out on my own. So I don't know what I am now. There's a, <laughs> is there a blend? <laughs>
1: I'm sure there is. Let's make up a term for that. We will do that. So let's
2: talk about the way you find your voice. How does that happen for you inside of maybe any context, career, family, friendships,
1: community, your own well-being, or maybe again, maybe today's episode's about the blend. Thank you, Dana. When I think about finding my voice, I go back to my roots. I was born in the South My parents had me when they were in high school. So my grandmother reared me and everyone always tells me I have an old soul. And I know that from that old soul, my voice was activated. So she raised me to express myself even when it felt uncomfortable. She would always say, Shakia, use your voice and use your words. And so, while I have had periods throughout my life where I've self silenced, when I think about what was planted in me when I was in those single digit years coming up by my grandmother. I feel that is what gave me the power to really lean into finding my voice. It's not as easy for everyone, but that's the one thing that I lean on when I think about finding my voice.
2: That is powerful. And so many of our listeners have experienced the upbringing challenges where maybe a grandparent, an aunt, Someone in extended family, or even someone not from the family, ended up, as you said, rearing them. And so that has such an impact. We're learning more and more about, you know, I, I talk about this in my book blood does not have to be thicker than water. Mm-hmm. It's really about impact. And so your grandmother, it sounds to me, had a serious impact and still does, is still with you. Is that right? You kind of carry that.
1: I carry that with me, although this year has been very difficult. Um, we did lose her at the beginning of the year. And so um, regardless if her physical presence is here or not, you can still hear the impact that she continues to have in my life.
2: That is so beautiful. And keeping her spirit with you is everything. Yes. Everything. What a tough year. Boy, 2020, we will not miss you. I'm going to have that memorialized on this podcast. So the next thing we want to do is make sure that we talk to the listeners today about Let's say they have found their voice, regardless of how or when or why or all of those components. Let's just say every listener today says, okay, I feel pretty comfortable. I have found my voice. Would you share some of your advice or lessons on how to use it in a work context once you've found it? Or give us a story or example, whatever you prefer.
1: Yeah, that's an amazing question about once you find it, what do you do with it? And I always say and share with others to make sure you use it when it matters. I recall some feedback, Dana, as I was growing in my career before I started my journey in consulting, I was in industry and one of my bosses set me down and had a performance conversation with me now remember i'm already have my already have my voice activated from my roots growing up so i always have something to say and the feedback that he gave me was you have to lose battles to win the war and at that time, I was like, I don't know what you're saying. Are you trying to silence me? Like, what's really going on? And it wasn't until over the years that when I was using my voice, I was seeing how people were reacting to me, sometimes positive, but sometimes very negative. It started to resonate with me what he was sharing with me. You will win, but you have to pick and choose how you use your voice to achieve that victory. So as you are using your voice in the work setting, understand when it's best to listen and when it's best to speak because when you speak it will be so much more amplified and powerful and you will get the results and outcomes you're seeking rather than having your voice watered down by always having something to say.
2: Well, if that isn't profound, I don't know what the heck is and I'm just going to share a share a story back with you. When I was first in corporate moved from Wisconsin to California, which is a shock to the system in the first place. So for you Midwesterners that are listeners, I I feel you because that's where I spent the first, well, it's more, I thought it was half of my life. I'm too old for that now. Anywho. So when I moved, I was actually transferred for work for a big company from Wisconsin to California. And one of my first pieces of feedback, I believe I was 29. I'm going to be 53. One of my first pieces of feedback was you get so much done. You're so smart. I just need you to understand, you're like a bull in a china shop. You leave a bloody path in your wake. hmm And I kind of went home gutted. You know that feeling, Shakia?
1: Yes. Yes. So it sounds similar to the way I felt when I received the feedback. <laughs> I,
2: I like I like the way your boss said it better than mine. So let's dive into that a little bit more. And let's advise these amazing listeners, because we're always trying to take them from smart. We're all smart. We, we always have the ability to be smarter. And, you know, knowledge is power. So let's give them a little more of your incredible knowledge about w- other ways to use your voice. Do you want to explore one of the other facets, either with yourself and your own well-being, inside of community or your friendships, or even with your own family? How about another story?
1: Yes. So when I think about friendships, this is an important one for me because one of the things that I have found as I've been navigating through life in pursuit of joy is your tribe matters. And as a person who um, always leans into their voice, I have to calibrate when to share advice and give advice and use my voice to advance um, my friends and their causes, and when to, again, listen. And so when I think about the friendships that I've had over the years, I have seen where my friends, uh, when they come to me, and I just blurt out, you know, all over them, "This is the solution. Now go forth and be well," (laughs) right? And and how they, you know, start to withdraw a little bit if they know that they're always going to come to me and I'm always going to tell them what to do. So again, it's about that calibration that you do in the professional world, even in your friendships. What is the right balance of voice and when is the right balance of listening? And your friends come to you because it is a safe space to do so, but sometimes they don't want to hear what you, want, what you have to say and how you guide them. So one of the tools I will tell or advise the listeners to, to leverage is in your friendships, when you have a friend that comes to you and you know that they're coming to you for this sacred safe space to share, ask them, do you want me to listen or do you want me to give you advice? And that will help navigate um, the, the conversation and the relationship and trusted foundation that you have with that individual.
2: I love that you talk about trusted foundation. I know we've been researching you and you are also known as a trusted advisor. And for listeners that don't understand, Shakia did nine years at a big three consulting firm. Is that what we are at now? It was like six when I grew up. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's three. We'll fact check that. And that's not easy. And in particular for a woman of color,
1: how was your voice challenged throughout that nine years? I bet it was. It was. I I cherish the time that I had had in consulting. It was some of the best <laughs> and some of the worst times mm. I've had. Sure. Just because it's just so difficult to navigate. Um, it's challenging yet stressful. Um, it's competitive yet rewarding. And as an individual, t- set aside being a female, set aside being a person of color, a black person, just coming into consulting, you already have to fight to win. So when you add those other layers, you find it even more difficult for your voice to be heard, because when you show up, especially as you advance along the ranks of manager, senior manager, and even partner, the people in the room do not look like you. So you need to understand, and again, I use this word all the time, Dana, calibrate, what is the best action for me to take to make sure that my voice is not only heard, but is followed. And so there were many times where I had to um, say something that was hard for people to hear because you're paying for this external advice to help solve your organization's most critical challenges, and you're not paying for someone to say, yes, you're doing it right. So there were many times where I had to garner the, um, the energy and garner the courage to say, you all are doing it wrong and let me tell you why. And oftentimes in the beginning, it took someone co-signing with me to be heard but after a while, when I began to get my identity and brand as a trusted advisor, my voice stood along. So it is, it's is—it's very, very interesting and individual journey, but eventually I got there.
2: That is really helpful and really prescriptive. I, I want to go back to Calibrate for a minute. You've used it a bunch of times. Most listeners are going to get it conceptually. Let's get out of theory and into action for a couple minutes, and yes. then we'll move into our fact versus fiction round and we'll close with your favorite quote. Although I have a quote that you've given that I'm going to insist we use, whether you want to add one or not, because it's beautiful and it is profound for this time of the year in this unprecedented year. I want to ask you about calibration. How would our listeners? Calibrate themselves? Is that like a pause, stepping back? How do you actually calibrate? It sounds like think before you speak, but you know, everyone's grown up hearing that hard to do.
1: Yes. And I think that is a wonderful articulation of calibration. But as you said, Dana, your listeners want practical actions that they can take. And one of the things that I have worked on over the last two to three years that helps me calibrate is to understand and hear my inner voice. And in order to do that, I've created space to get clarity in my life so I can know when my inner voice is speaking to me. And as I go through, and I'm quoting, calibrating, I take that pause, I take that moment, I create that space to see and hear what my body is telling me. If something isn't right, you will feel it neurologically. The science will tell you that. There is something in your body, whether it's a temperature rise, whether it's your heart racing, there are so many physiological things that can give, give you a check-in that something isn't right, that when you take that pause, when you take that beat, take that moment, you will be able to listen to it and help navigate through. And a lot of the times when I'm in these tricky conversations or in these contentious moments, I do take that moment, and if I don't have the opportunity to take that moment in the conversation, I'll reserve the right to come back to it. I don't want anyone to force my voice because I own it. Hearing yourself and how you want to use your voice and how you want to act is critical.
2: I wish we had another 30 minutes for Shakia here. So people need to understand that you own your voice and no one can take it. Yes. It's interesting. I talk to clients, men and women, about this all the time because the voice, even though you know in your head, your gut, your heart, physiologically, neurologically, you know somewhere or something is not right. Like yes. you said, there's a pulse increase, there's sweating, you get a headache. It's like mm-hmm. pay attention to your body it's shouting at you with its voice. So this is a powerful message at a powerful time. Because this is a fun fact versus fiction round. And again, there's no right or wrong, good or bad. It's whatever Shakia thinks is fact or fiction. When I ask these, you gave me so many. So I'm going to start with the first one, which is fact or fiction. You can be an entrepreneur and an intrapreneur.
1: This is a fact. So Dana, I think you are a prime example of being an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur because those tendencies of entrepreneurship don't just jump up in you, you've had them for a while. So you were probably in an organization with that entrepreneurial spirit in you and then you took the leap to do something out on your own. So you are a prime evidence of that you can be both of these items.
2: You are going to have to come on the road with me if I ever get to go back and speak on stages because that is, what <laughs> is exactly. that is what happened. We could just take turns interviewing each other. Yes, I would love it. I would too. Stay tuned, 2021, we're coming for you. All right, here's another one. Fact versus fiction. In your brilliant mind, do men and women struggle to both find and use their voice?
1: This one is a bit tougher for me to answer, because it's hard for me to put myself in the position of a man. So I can speak from the woman experience that women do struggle with it. And it is just you can look back over history um, and see how the woman in the world have developed their voice, how they've used their voice, Um, in things of this nature. So I think it is that um, women struggle a little bit more, where men, because of the way society is, have given them a lot of grace and compassion when they share their voice. And so it's easier for them to do so and not feel the self-guilt and criticism that comes along with, oh my God, what did I just say? (laughs) Where it's a little bit more difficult for women to do so.
2: I love how you temper that with, I'm a woman, I'm going to speak from a woman's point of view. And then perhaps this is how a man may approach it. I I feel the exact same way. And I approach it a really similar way. I, I do find after, you know, 30 years of coaching, developing, managing, mentoring, hiring, sometimes firing people throughout my career, women struggle way more than men. And yet I do find some men, Also, who have very high emotional intelligence tend to struggle a little bit more. That's my own personal finding, especially Mm -hmm. being hyper focused on helping people transform and accelerate their transformation, especially in a work context. It's very interesting. So I'm I'm so appreciative of that answer. Okay, the last one, and I made up this equation, so we're gonna get your reaction. Are you ready? Yes. Final one. Listening versus speaking is a 50-50 equation, fact or fiction.
1: It absolutely depends on the environment that you're in and how you need to show up and what outcomes, results, um, and you know, the ending piece of it that you that is is needed. So it's it's hard to say. So yes with an asterisk, <laughs> if the situation warrants a 50-50 balance of speaking and listening. You did such a good job of explaining
2: that. It's sort of time, place, context. And I loved where you said in the friendship facet, ask them, are you Mm -hmm. looking for solutions? Are you looking for listening? Are you looking for a shoulder to cry on? What do you need? And we don't do enough of that. Absolutely. Would you say that works at the career context as well sometimes?
1: I do. I I have found, Dana, that when I'm in my one-on-ones with my team members, because. In addition to being an entrepreneur, I also uh, identify as a catalyst, and we are wired to always act and respond and put out fires and transform and tear down and build up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that when my leaders and my team members come to me, I always want to solve their problems. So uh, I am known to when they come and share, ask. So what is it that you want me to do with this information, right? Do you want me to listen or do you need me to act and help you out? And I have found that that has um, allowed my trusted relationship with my team, with my colleagues to also have a solid foundation because I'm not always you know, running around trying to solve problems, which is really how my dna is that's my makeup is to solve stuff (laughs) so it it is very very helpful and you're so good at it Uh, (laughs) what
2: i love to say is if you take the 30 second pause i call it the power of pause and let's use shakia's word and her system let's give people 30 seconds to ask themselves a question on something that they're struggling with you know, fall in love with the problem, not the solution, really understand it. What I find is the first reaction, even of people who are literally problem solvers like yourself, the first reaction is usually good. After the 30 seconds, it becomes great. Absolutely. The final quote is yours to share if you like. However, before you do that, I am going to read your quote back to you. It is just profound. And you said, navigating life in the pursuit of joy, your tribe matters. And I just want the listeners to really hear that. Your tribe matters. And we talk about the tribe on this show a lot. Do you have a quote you want to share?
1: Yes. So um, I think about my grandmother when uh, I, I think about this quote, because it is something that she shared with me time and time again growing up. And it is stand for something or fall for anything. And so as I navigate personally and professionally, I always make it a point to have a point of view. And Dana, I think that this circles very nicely back to the voice. Right. So even though I am standing with for something, I don't have to always use my voice. I can stand in silence and in solidarity for a topic, but I can also use my voice to amplify the most important issues that align to my value system. And so that is a quote that I I have learned to live by my entire life.
2: Your grandmother gave some incredible advice. I just <laughs> want to tell you.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
2: Wow. That is so great for this time in our history where standing for something probably counts now as much as, as it has ever and yes. falling for anything. I, I'm going to be spending the day thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And as a closing comment, listeners, think about what you'd be willing to fall for. And think about the context in which Shakia and her grandmother started this advice and listening kind of conversation and how it applies now for you and your life, because that one is pretty profound. I, it, that requires some calibration of its own. I really want to challenge myself and my listeners to think about that. We are very grateful for your time, your wisdom, your calibration. We loved having
1: you. Thank you, Dana. It was a pleasure to spend this time with you and your listeners.
0: Settle Smarter is produced by New Dog Media in association with Phoenix Fifth, who are solely responsible for the content. Check the show notes for links to our website, settlesmarter.com. To find Dana Look latest book, take the quiz, read more about today's guest, and to contact us with your response to the show or any questions or comments. And don't forget to subscribe to the Settle Smarter podcast and share the episode. Settle Smarter was recorded and edited by Paul Godwin, who also composed our theme music. Settle Smarter can be heard at Apple, Google, Spotify, and wherever you hear your podcasts. On behalf of Dana Look Arimoto and the whole Settle Smarter team, this is Paul Godwin saying, see you next time.